Welcome to the Ed Milet Show. This podcast is for those who want to do more, see more, and be more. Welcome back to Max Out, everyone. I'm Ed Milet. <clears throat> Today's going to be incredible, just so you know. And this one is for my mom. I asked my mom a few weeks ago, I said, Mom, if I could get any guest on the spinning planet Earth, who would you want? Former presidents, what actor, what entertainer? She says, she called me back the next day. She says, I want Jake Olson. So that man is here with me today. Jake, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you for having me, Ed. I'm going to tell you guys about this young man. By the way, we also have Quebec with us. And um, I think Quebec is sort of bored with the interview, but he's definitely <laughs> here with us today. For those of you that don't know, I asked Jake, I said, how should I describe you? He said, tell him I'm blind. So if you're, if you're listening to this on audio and you're not seeing it on YouTube, you may not know this, but the young man to my left, I think is one of the most inspiring people in the world. And I've been following his story for several years. And um, we're going to get into that story. You're going to be moved. You're going to be crying. You're going to be laughing. You're going to learn. And uh, our off-camera stuff has been so good already. So Jake is actually a senior at USC who will be graduating here very shortly. He's also a long snapper on the football team. And what makes that even a little bit more unique is that he can't see. And so um, I'm sure you're wondering how the heck that works and what your life story is. So that's what we're going to talk about today, brother. So thank you. Of course. For being we're here. looking forward to it. So you're 12 years old. You were a fan of USC football, pretty big time, right? You grew up in Huntington Beach. Right. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing pre-vision loss. What was your life like? Right. So, I mean, at eight months old, I was uh, diagnosed with a rare form of eye cancer called retinoblastoma. And um, obviously, at a year old, you know, I'm not old enough to actually remember exactly what happened, but the cancer uh, was bilateral, meaning both eyes. Mm -hmm. So they immediately had to remove my left eye. Um, it was too far progressed in the left eye. And the fear with retinoblastoma is it progresses to the point um, through the optic nerve to, uh, to the brain, and then from there it's unstoppable. So mm. if you can't cure the cancer in the eye, um, you have to remove the eye, okay. which, removes the re which removes the cancer and cures it. So they removed my left eye. It was only about half as bad, though, in my right eye. So we were able to cure my right eye with chemotherapy uh, and some laser treatment. Mm. Um, the cancer went away. And then basically from about one years old to 12 years old, um, my life was ca that cancer returning eight times. So, oh my gosh. So each time it would come back, you know, we'd go to the hospital and figure out a new way of treating it. If that was radiation, if that was chemo, if that was laser or cryo or experimental treatments, you know, whatever it was. So mm. um, all the way up to when I was 12 years old um, and, and then in the fall 2009 when I was 12, um, the cancer finally returned. And for me, it was just another return to the cancer, you know, mm -hmm. I was, okay, what are we gonna do this time? How are we gonna fight it? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the, the doctors had a different, um, different news for me, and that was that really they had exhausted all options, and we could keep messing around with it, but um, the cancer had kind of become immune to the treatments, and yeah. there was a great chance that it would continue to grow, and if it did spread, then, you know, obviously my life would be a, a grave risk, so. Wow. Um, you know, the removal of my right eye was then kind of necessary, mm. um, which obviously meant com going completely blind. Amazing, brother. So I want to ask you some stuff about that. Um, first off, I think you're unbelievable. You know that. Just so everybody knows, on our show, um, because of the great blessing of how successful it's been, we haven't reached out to ask somebody to be on this show in a very long time. They reach out to us, and I want you all to know I reached out to him. And uh, myself, by the way. It was a no-brainer. It was. Well, thank you. And um, 
But I want to know some stuff because people are listening to this and they're, they have children or they're a child listening to this. There's going to be a lot of young people listening to this and um, they're going through stuff, you know, just adversity in their life. How did 12 years of just being in and out of chemo and radiation or whatever you were doing affect you like as a kid were you just in the hospital a lot i mean yeah no there was definitely a lot of a lot of times in our hospitals mm-hmm. i mean we flew to new york a couple of times we received mm-hmm. some very experimental treatment mm-hmm. um and so there was there was a lot of times you know again that i was with my parents missing school um and you know in that you you definitely learn um I, i've i've learned in my 12 years of, mm-hmm. to be patient to be you know to persevere to be resilient you know a lot mm-hmm. of the different um characteristics that have helped me overcome adversity mm-hmm. and really I attribute my success after blindness to those 12 years because really because although blindness was my biggest setback in my life when I when I went blind at the age of 12 it was the 12 years of, of going through cancer that taught me how to be resilient and therefore I could you know apply a lot of those lessons I learned in the 12 years to the adversity that comes with you know living a life without sight yeah you are like unbelievably composed and calm for your age like your presence is like a 70 year old guy <laughs> right and that's a compliment and I I wondered when we met like whoa like there's a presence about you let me tell you the other thing you have, man. Like, you have a strength about you, and I think I have a little of that too, but it's almost an intimidating type confidence and strength you have. <laughs> I and appreciate it. It's true, and it's, it's why I wondered how did this really affect you as a young guy. And so, that, go ahead, you're going to say something. Well, I mean, it just, you know, I, I, I learned, you know, going through cancer, I mean, you know, the, the, you would think you would think by the sixth time, you know, when we would go in at, at ten years old, it's like the cancer's back one more time. It would be devastating. But I, you just learn to say, okay, it's back. Let's deal with it now. You know, mm-hmm. let's not freak out about it. Let's not lose our minds like it's the end of the world. Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. And you know, although blindness was a striking blow, mm-hmm. um, and it was sad and it was mad, and I, you know, I had lots of nights I cried and it tortured my mind of yeah. you know thinking about the rest of my life without sight. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's okay. This is going to happen, especially when I remember waking up from the surgery that took my sight. Mm. I mean, right then and there's okay, 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 I am blind now. It is a reality. So, you know, there is a decision now. Let's, let's go home and sulk about it and think about all the things I could have done with sight and how r- life ripped me off. Or let's go figure out how to live a life I want to live and do the things I continue to want to do and love and oh my live gosh. happy, you know? And At 12 years old, laying in the hospital, you that occurred to you? Seriously? You you thought there, you made that decision thinking? I'm sure it wasn't well, that well, I mean, definitive, it, but... But, it, yeah, it's, I mean, it was it was that thought process. I mean, because mm-hmm. it is too, it's just a crossroad, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, growing 12 years, I mean, I realized it's, and that's why I try to tell people, it, it is your... At the end of the day, it is your choice what road you want to go down. Wow. And of course, you need a support system, and you know, and and. Did you have that? Do you have great parents. I, I do. I have a twin sister um, who's been there for me. I have mm-hmm. great parents and great family and great friends mm-hmm. um, that have encouraged me and helped me through the way. And I don't know where I'd be without them. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, it is your choice of how you want to um, move on with your life and kind of what mindset you want to take moving forward. It's incredible to me because. You know, I have people on my show all the time who have great things to say about being motivated or being resilient, but like, you live this, like, into some of the most difficult times somebody could ever go through in their life. In prepping for this, as you know, I told you off camera, I have a sister who's lost most of her vision as well. And um, when that was happening with her, those of you that are listening to this, you know, here, well, someone's become blind that could prior see. I just want you to kind of begin to move your heads around that. This is a young man who could see the world and then couldn't. And one day I was particularly bothered by my sister's situation. 
and I decided to take 10 minutes with my eyes closed, awake. 10 minutes without being able to see. And if you have any appreciation for this young man goes through, I challenge you to spend 10 minutes with no vision, never mind the rest of your life, and you'd have an appreciation for the depth of character that this young man has. It was so difficult for me just to go 10 minutes in darkness and being awake. And so I'm curious if you don't mind me asking you, what was the moment when you woke up, like if you recall it? Do you remember waking up and, and you could now not see? I do, I do. And, you know, to be honest, waking up was, was the easiest part because it really, it was almost a burden had been lifted. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I found out October 1st of 2009 I was going to go blind and I went blind on November 12th. So there was about a month and a half there of knowing this was going to be your last month and a half of seeing. And so it was a huge burden on my back and, and my psyche of everything. I, and, and I was able to do a lot of cool things, including obviously mm -hmm. being invited to become a part of the USC family with Coach Carroll. But yeah. everything I, I remember, I mean, literally the thought of, okay, this is the last time I'm going to be able to see a Laker game. This is the last time I'm going to be able to see the sunset. This is the last time I'm going to be able to see my family. You know, like those thoughts were just in my mind a ton. And so when I finally woke up, it was like, okay, it's, it's finished. I mean, it's, it, it's mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, I, I heard my parents speak to me right as I woke up and, you know, I realized they were there and, um, you know, I, you would think it was like, it would have been kind of less, like, oh man, now I am blind. Like, gosh darn yeah. it. But it. It wasn't. It was almost, like I said, it was, it was a, okay, it's, it's happened. Now mm -hmm. let's go back to the drawing board and really figure out. Oh, brother. Jeez Louise. I think you, I think something happens to people too. Like, um, you know, we've talked about other friends of mine that have had some difficult or tragic circumstances happen. And, and I, everybody should hear this, like the power of the human spirit, like you're a lot stronger and resilient than you think you are. There are parts of you that are there that are so incredibly strong that if you can find them, you'll be so proud of yourself. And I'm, I'm like, I've been watching you on TV for a while. I'm like, I'm so proud of this guy. Like <laughs> it's pretty rare for a grown man like me to watch something on TV alone and cry. Right, and I've, it's a couple times when I've watched you, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's just unbelievable. So <laughs> is, I don't get really excited about meeting most people, right? And you, probably the youngest guy I've had on the show is the guy who's like the most excited to oh, meet because that. I just admire the transition so much. Well, I Tell, think a lot of coolness of the story too is I mean, people have been kind of able to grow up with me since I've, you yes. know, the first story came out when I was 12. Yeah, you all, maybe, some of you may not know this, but this, this story's been really well documented because of your relationship with the shirt you're wearing. And this is just about to get, just so you know, you're about to hear what will end up being one of the greatest movies ever released here someday, probably pretty soon. Because the, the, the man, number one, is incredible, right? What he's overcome and, and that difficulty. I just want to tell you, I've never met your parents, but I already know they've just got to be incredibly, you come from an amazing family because it's produced you, right? And so um, as a dad, I know how much strength it must have required at least I think I do, for a father to have to, or a mother to wake up and have to have a son who's lost their yeah, vision. Yeah, fairly must be just amazing. I didn't want to imagine that. That's yeah. one thing that I did. Yeah, that's probably not something you want to imagine, I'm sure. So. so let's talk a little bit about the entire story. Is there something about, I'm curious, is there something about, this is going to be an odd question, what's good about being blind? What's good about being blind? There's a lot of blessings in being blind. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of it, I remember... Early on, right after I went blind, I was, I actually was invited to speak and that kind of snowballed into me speaking around the country. But mm -hmm. I was like, 
I don't know, 14 years old, and I remember I was flying to Utah to speak. Okay. And um, we were sitting there, and like, there was this baby being changed, like a, the row across from us in the plane. Okay. <laughs> and I remember my mom's like, Jake, there's a blessing to being blind, and and I. <laughs> And from there, I was like, yep, that's exactly the, the saying I'm going to use in certain points in my life. So mm-hmm. I think one of the cool things, though, is, you know, when, when, when I meet people, um, you know, it, there is some oddities in how being able to see for 12 years. Sometimes when I meet people, it's like, did it look like that? And it's mm. kind of accurate. Mm. Um, not that I really focus on it, but mm-hmm. I do think there's an innocence of not being able to see what someone looks like, just hearing their voice, mm. hearing what they actually say, mm. and then... Um, you know, walking away from that and mm. never thinking twice about what they actually look like. Yeah. Just kind of basing what, what that person is based on the personality. What, what, how does it affect your day-to-day existence now? It's been a while, right? It's been, what, 10 years right. almost, right? Almost 10 years. Yeah. So uh, have you adapted completely, do you think, to that? <laughs> um, and, I, and, and, and go ahead. You answer that, and I have another question for him. Just no, I mean, curiosity. it's in blindness and and. Any change in life, I mean, you're mm-hmm. constantly learning, right? Yeah. I mean, there's constantly little tricks you, you develop during mm-hmm. um, uh, activity during the day. Where it's like, okay, I can do that better next time, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I mean, I still, to this day, when I brush my teeth at nighttime, probably have to put, like, try three times to put toothpaste on because, like, not, I didn't squeeze hard enough that time. Oh, uh, that's too much now. <laughs> like, you know, that's, like, yeah. one of the things, like, yeah. you know, if there's any inventors out there, if you can figure out how blind people can just put toothpaste on their toothbrush effectively, like, let me know. But, um, Whoa, okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. <laughs> right. um, I would never have thought of that. And, yeah. Right. I mean, there's right. just little things like that. I mean, like, plugging plugs into an outlet, like, is always a difficulty. If you, if you want to turn the lights off and try to plug a plug into an outlet on the wall, it's the yeah. most frustrating thing ever. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> So there's like stuff where you still kind of, you know, like just, you know, yeah. it's a little frustrating, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, a year after I went blind, I completely was able to read Braille. So it took about a year and I'm um, getting around with a cane and then obviously, you know, with the guide dog um, and other stuff. I mean, it, you've done some other incredible things. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, we're talking off camera. This guy took calculus in college <laughs> and you did the entire stuff in your head, right? I mean, tell them about that. Yeah, how how I mean, the hell do you do that? You know, I, I, I worked with the tutor, but yeah, I mean, you just, I don't know, I, I guess... I think there's a blessing and somewhat, you know, through the 12 years of growing up, there was sometimes where my eyesight was better than others. And mm-hmm. I guess I just kind of started being able to visualize things in my head. So, I mean, mm-hmm. when I was working through equations and differentiating equations and stuff, I can, you know, kind of picture in my head and where to move, you know, what number to that side of the equation. And You, you know. say it, you say everything you do. This is the funniest thing. You say everything you say so matter-of-factly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, I just do them all in my head. I just remember things. You know, I just, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I snap football in college. He's, we're talking in a minute. He shoots, he shoots, you guys, just listen to me in a minute. We're, you're about to be blown away by a whole bunch of stuff. But this cat right here can't see, and he can beat you at golf. So he shoots in the mid-70s. He played varsity golf in high school. I mean, like, we're going to talk about all this stuff. But, like, just so you know, whatever you think is holding you back in your life, Whatever your lame-ass excuse is for why you're not getting something done or whatever pity party you're having for yourself, this man right here takes all of those excuses away, and you have no excuse. It's time for you to go win, right? So that's just who you're all about. So one little thing I wanted to ask you. You told me I can ask you anything, so I am. I'm wondering if when you dream, Mm -hmm. do you dream in pictures or like visually or do you dream in darkness no i i dream definitely as if i can see so i'm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing my dreams um mm-hmm. it's weird though my mind knows i'm blind so like i'll literally have a dream where i can see but i still have quebec by my side or my cane um there's also like i've 
sometimes there'll be like stressful dreams where like I'll be driving a car in my dream and like I'll be able to see but I know I'm not supposed to be able to see so like it's stressful because yeah. now like I'm like oh shoot man I have to drive this car <laughs> like yeah. I'm not gonna crash this thing like yeah. so but yes I mean it's 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 like I don't know it's like probably how you dream I mean mm-hmm. um when people ask me like what do you see is it darkness it's like no it's not darkness it's it's just like a you know it's, it's a visual memory mm-hmm. I mean it's it's if I asked you to picture, you know, you walking through your house right now, your front door, I mean, obviously it's a little more vivid since you're actually doing it. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of like that almost, you know, okay. but it's, it's, it's just what, you know, your mind's kind of seeing. So brother, you're amazing. All right, let's get to the, some juice here on the story. So uh, by the way, coach Carol and I went to the same college, the greatest college all of Pacific. all time, University of Pacific. I mean, no offense, but you know, all the great ones went there. But um, so your coach was Coach Carroll, and I know he was a central figure in your life. So you're a huge USC fan. Okay, yes. here we go, everybody. This is going to get bananas. So take us through this. This is prior to you losing your vision. Right. When did they find out, like, hey, this guy's a big USC fan? Clearly, to some extent, the fact that you were had cancer at the time kind of worked to your advantage in the sense of you getting connected to the program right. somehow because there was a story behind you. There's a whole million right. kids who probably wanted to be involved right. with USC, but they fell in love with you once they met you. So tell them about that part of the story. You guys, this is going to get crazy right now. Okay, so I figure out, like I said, October 1st, I'm going blind. Yes. Uh, my dad received his MBA from USC, so that's how I okay. became a Trojan fan. Also, it was growing in Southern California with yeah. Carol's dominance, so it was hard not to be. Right. So, you know, I maybe a week or two in August 14th, Maybe it was when finally we get invited up there through different avenues. I mean, there was literally, my story probably reached the USC Athletic Department like five different ways. Okay. But it reached. So Coach Carroll heard my story, invited me up for a practice. My, that's what my parents told me. Okay. So going to practice, which as a 12-year-old fan, like, was just the coolest thing ever. Of course. Little did I know, we come to pre-practice meetings, and, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's that player, that's that player, that player. And all of a sudden, Coach Carroll gets up there and goes, hey, we have a special guest today. Um, Jake's here. And the whole team starts chanting my name. Oh my and God. I come down in front of the team with Coach Carroll. Um, and he says, you know, um, his favorite player, which was Chris O'Dowd, the center at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, his favorite player is Chris O'Dowd. And it was very funny because all the players are expecting me, like, you know, Barkley or, you know, Ron Johnson at the time yeah. or something like that. But so it's Chris O'Dowd, the center. And everyone's like, who? Like, all <laughs> <laughs> oh, making fun of Chris. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's crazy part. I didn't know that. Yeah. Your favorite player prior to losing your vision was the freaking center? Yeah, yeah, because I played center for my flag football team. So. Oh, my gosh. This is going to. Okay. Yeah, so wow. so that's why I saw. Then okay. I went with Chris and the rest of the linemen to the O-line meeting, actually. You were a big dude, by the way. You're a scrawny little dude. Yeah, I've I was, seen the I was 12 years old. Yeah, so, Crazy. so I went okay. to the O-line meeting, okay. um, hung out with them, then went out to practice. It was amazing just how many players were coming up saying, hi, Coach Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place that... You know, I eat at now being an athlete there, but um, it's called Little Galen. Mm-hmm. It's a, sure. where all the yep. athletes eat. So I went to dinner with the team afterwards. And this is my sister and my two parents, so like okay. the whole family, you know. Okay. Um, so then, you know, it's like, okay, cool day. You'd think it'd kind of be over, but um, all of a sudden it's like, you want to come to Notre Dame with us? And then we go to Notre Dame, you know, and then we come back and it's like, hey, do you want to... you went to the Notre Dame football game? Yeah, I went to South Bend with the team. Wow. Um, you know, I was there on the field with them and... Okay. It really started a complete relationship with Chris, with Barkley, with a lot of the different players, with Coach Carroll himself, mm-hmm. you know, with a lot of different coaches. I don't know what was so special about that time. It, it just turned out not to be a, a one-day deal. I well, mean, you were special. 
Well, you, I mean, that's what it was. It was you. So, <laughs> you know, it turned out then on November 11th, you know, I spent my last night there with, with that, with site, um, was at the practice field, um, and was around the team, you know, came back a week later, team was there for me, um, you know, and went to the bowl game, you know, team, like it just, you're wait, I want to understand this. I didn't know this part of it. Your last night was site. You were with the football team. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And then a week later you were back with the football team after you'd lost site. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bro, this is an unbelievable story. Okay. Okay. And so did you stay affiliated with the team for an extended period well, of time? Well, so Coach Carroll left, obviously, yeah. after that year. Yeah. So he went up to Seattle. And for Coach uh, Carroll's credit, he I've been up to Seattle plenty of times. I've been to both Super Bowls. I've, I'm still very close with Coach Carroll, wow. um, a mentor of mine. He calls me his hero. He's my hero. Like, mm. we are very tight. Mm. So um, that definitely, my relationship with Coach Carroll extended past USC. But so Kiffin comes into USC. Yeah. Um, I remember he, I came up there and he like brought me to his office, just me. Okay. I'm like 13 years old. And you know, I'm like, oh gosh, like what's, what's this gonna be about? He just wanna make sure, you know, I'm still with the team, I'm still a fan and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that was my eighth grade year. You know, I was, was still involved, was a little mm-hmm. different, but you yeah. know, I mean, I was still friends with a lot of the players and mm-hmm. coaches, whatever. Um, so then I became a freshman in high school Things changed a little bit because also now I'm you're, a high school. You're so, busier. Well, busier, but also with some of the recruiting things. Oh, yeah. So, um, was still part of the program. Junior year, started playing football. So, okay, um, junior year, you're like, I'm going to play football now. Yeah, so. Okay, well, you say that like it's nothing. Stay on this for a minute. You're blind. Okay, let's just be clear here. So, you're a junior, you're like, yeah, I decided to play football. Like, that's not the okay. same as every okay. other dude going, yeah, I'm going to play football. Okay, so, so what was what that happened? like really like? So middle school, I played center, right? And I even yeah. played my eighth grade year blind, okay? okay. But flag football. That's you know? a little different, it's but that's football. still impressive, but that's right. a lot different right, right. than, right. So freshman year, I go to Orange Lutheran, yep. okay? Which, by the way, you know, we play Servite, Modern Day, yep. Santa Margarita, so, so St. John Bosco. So people not in Southern California, which is the vast majority, or even in the United States, a lot of those people, this is a big time football yes. conference and a big time football program. Right. So okay. very, you know, very physical tackle mm-hmm. football to the highest level. Right. And I was like, I just don't really see a place out there for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't play freshman and sophomore. I played golf at mm-hmm. high school. I didn't play football. Mm-hmm. I you missed... say that in passing. Okay, well. You played golf in high school. school. Okay. But, this is amazing. So I played, so I really missed the game. I remember going Friday nights. I'm like, man, I wish I was out there. Um, you know, I see the team, the camaraderie in the locker room or, you know, in, in the hallways and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. So end of my sophomore year, we had a kid named Chase. He was a long snapper. He's graduating. Really good long snapper. Actually, goes to Utah um, to play long snapper. Their coaches like there's a vacancy now. Like they don't really have someone that's next up. So they're trying all these guys. I'm like, okay, a couple of my teammates, uh, friends that were teammates, uh, our team. Then they were like, hey, you should probably like you know start working on this. Maybe you could you know come Mm -hmm. on and be a long snapper. So worked with a coach named Coach Vieselmeyer. All summer long, literally every day for like an hour, an hour and a half. Wow. Um, finally got in fall camp. Turned out I was the best long snapper the team had. Earned my spot in varsity played varsity my junior senior year. Bro, that's bananas. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It what was, was the first fun. time like you walk out there or run out there, whatever? Yeah, I know you get. Oh, it was, I was, what so, was that like? I was so nervous. Really? It, was, it was crazy. And yeah. you sucked at first too, right? Like you're, you're, when you first started long snapping. Oh, when know? I first started, yeah, yeah. In the beginning of summer, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. I thought it was right. kind of like somewhat like centering, but it's not. I mean, it's two hands. It's got to be a yeah. lot faster, or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely 
a change. So okay, so um, you finally get good. Now you're going to go out there and actually do this. What yeah. was that like? It was, fa- you it should was see crazy. you. Yeah, go ahead. It was it was crazy. It was uh-huh. absolutely crazy. And you know the thing was also, I mean, like one, and I use this. You know, be, being blind, obviously, you have to do things differently sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it can't be done. And mm-hmm. and that's you know what I tell people in life. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. And sometimes it might not be easiest for you. Sometimes it, it might not be the simplest way. The way that your neighbor does it, but guess what? There's still a way for you to do it. So go find that way. So powerful, dude. So for me, you know, it did take my holder to line me up, mm-hmm. you know? And um, mm-hmm. so actually some of the very first snap, my very first high school snap, okay? It actually wasn't a bad snap on my part, but the like, it was just kind of chaotic and like, yeah. it was the first time we've ever done this, like yeah. actually in a game. So it was a little outside so my holder kind of reached for it and kind of lost his balance and it ended up going up and trying to score instead of like trying to get the ball down for the kick okay Okay. so he gets tackled not the way we wanted to start right right right. um the problem was since it was kind of all discombobulated my team starts like running off and we never thought of like how to get me back so i start kind of like wandering like and like because like like, go back and get jay oh my god So almost oh a complete God. disaster first time, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Next time was easier. We got, you know, it was, it was good. We got the point through after, and you know, whatever. And we, Come you know, I, I think I snapped like four other times that game and it was all fine. So the, did, when you, when you made the first snap that was executed correctly, I'm just curious, like, did the crowd go crazy or like, were they like, hey, nice snap? Or did people not know? Well, people thought it was a fake. Because Uh-oh. he kind of, like I said, because it wasn't like a, a snap where it was like, oh, you know, that, that was mm-hmm. way off. Like, it just was a little far out. And, like, mm-hmm. how my holder at the time was named Adam. How he did it was like, he kind of, like, reached out and caught it. And I think in that moment, he's like, I'm not going to be able to, like, get my balance back so and reset the ball. He, so he, he just kind of reached out and then just got up and started running. But what about the first time you actually executed, like, an extra point in a game? Like, what was that like? I mean, I, I think it was cool for people. Like, I, I mean, it wasn't, like, Were you like nuts. Yeah. It wasn't nuts like USC nuts, but it was it was nuts. But, so you weren't, you weren't like, there wasn't a, I'm curious, because when you're doing something extraordinary, I, I think sometimes, I tell people this, that are even building companies or whatever, I think sometimes when you're making history or being a pioneer at something, it doesn't always feel like it. Like, it doesn't occur to you that that's what's happening. Yeah, it occurs to other people, right? Right. So... I'm not sure how many people that year in the world were long snapping blind in high school, but I'm pretty sure the list was small. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like there wasn't a party that was like, "Holy shit, I just did this." Yeah, like, I mean, there was there's definitely probably that. I mean, it was right. it was you know, I mean, definitely I started receiving you know the between people at school and the fans. I mean, like you know, people would come out on Friday night and be like, "I came here to watch you" and stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. mean, like there was definitely that going on. Um, but you know, for me, it was just fun being out there helping my team win on Friday nights. I mean, oh, brother, I love this. Now we're going to get to one of my favorite moments in the history of sports, and that's the truth. Like, uh, I, for me, you know, sports are an inspiring thing because overall, I think sports is like the game of life, like watching it, right? So, like, to me, you're like the ultimate athlete in my mind. And so then you decide, this is just a crazy convergence of circumstances. You were affiliated with USC. They helped you kind of get through maybe the most difficult time in your life. You helped inspire them, too. Now you're a graduating senior in high right. school. And you end up going to SC. How's that end up happening? Right. So, you know, my junior and senior year, I'm obviously considered as a, re- a recruit, you know, playing mm-hmm. high school ball. So, uh, you know, when I'd go up to practices, I'd, you know, be part of the, you know, the recruit, whatever, mm-hmm. going out, go to games. And Coach Stark, Eugene was there at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and Pat Hayden was the AD at the time, along with J.K. McKay. So, you know, I'd go up to practice and I'd be hanging out with Sark and, and Pat. And they're like, you know, you're coming here, your grade's good, all right. Um, you know, you 
and this was probably my senior year, and then mm-hmm. I remember one time I went up to practice, and like, you know, Jake, you, you, your grades are good, you're coming here, um, you, you, why, don't you, why don't you snap here? I'm like, like, wait, what? Right, right. <laughs> like, wait, yeah. are you serious? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I mean, you know, a long snap, just, you know, come, come snap on the football team for us. Oh I was like, no way. So, yeah. I, you know, I, that was putting my mind on them. I wasn't even kind of really yeah. my, um, you know, my, my end ambition of, of ending up on the Trojan team. But after they said that, I'm like, okay, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So, sure enough, I apply. February of my senior year comes around. Um, start, they do this, I guess they do this um, dinner for all the big donors about after, after signing day. It's like literally the weekend after signing day mm. um, of, you know, the 25 guys that are coming in. So they invited me to that dinner, introduced the 25 guys, and at the end, Stark brought me up on stage and said, by the way, um, Jake's coming to USC, here's your acceptance letter, you'll be on the football team. And so that was, that was very cool. So, Come on, man. You know, so starting my freshman year, um, you know, started, started doing everything, you know, was on the team, and uh, started working with new guys, and obviously everything comes with that. Yeah, let's talk about what comes with that. So you guys have to have an appreciation. Just step back just for a second. This is already a nationally very well-known story about Jake and him losing his vision and being affiliated with the program. And then for me, I'd watched that story, and then sort of it was a story I had seen it and gone away. Right. Now all of a sudden, you land at that team on that football program yes. without your vision right. is cray-cray, right? Yeah. And so you end up spending a couple years on the in the program, right. but you haven't got on the field yet. Right, right? So, so two years just... Um, you know, practicing with the guys. Um, obviously, freshman year was kind of a lost season just mm-hmm. with what happened with obviously the all team. the coaches and yep. stuff like that. But so, um, right, so freshman and sophomore year, just, you know, continuing to perfect my craft. Did you ever think of quitting? No. It never occurred to you. Because I'm picture this, you guys. He's on the team. He's not playing. He's doing all the practices, going to all the weights. You went into college at what weight? Listen to this, everyone. What, what did you weigh when you went in? I think 184. And what do you weigh now? Um, if you weigh me now, probably 232. Okay, 232. So this man has worked his butt off at building his body up so that he could legitimately go out right. there and well, launch physically. One of the, one of the, when I first went there, one of the skepticism was, you know, especially with the team doctors, like, oh, we don't want him getting hurt out there. Sure. You know? um, and so part of that was just passing the eye test of, you know, looking at me and saying, okay, you know, this guy's absolutely big enough. It's ironic that you call that an eye test. <laughs> 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 but I see me. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, You're funny, man. But, uh, so, you know, yeah. that's part of it, just yeah. getting big in the way. So, ironically, you passed the eye test, yeah, so yes. which is, yes. that's incredible yes. in and of itself. And so you've gained all this weight to pass that eye test, but you're sort of just grinding away. You're not getting your opportunity. Right. You're not on the field. And so what happens? So, um, you know, actually, sophomore year, um, started getting a little more reps in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, we played in the Roseville my sophomore year. And actually, Roseville practice, I had, had the most pra- uh, reps in practice I ever had. And okay. I, I kind of felt like coach was actually ramping me up to even play in the Rose Bowl if the chance occurred, okay. which was like, I didn't want to have it because I'm like, I don't know if I want it my first time to be, be that big a stage. Yeah, in the Rose yeah, Bowl, right, whatever. Right, right. So, right. Um, so, you know, that game was crazy. So I didn't end up snapping that game, um, but knew obviously my time was coming. Mm-hmm. So all the fall camp the next year, it was, you know, really hitting it hard. Um, and the coach came to me before the first game. I was like, look, um, you know, talk to the other coach. Looks like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be snapping this Saturday, just get your mind right, whatever. Hmm. And sure enough, you know, that time came and 
was able to jog out there um, at home in the Coliseum and was able to get my first snap as a USC Trojan in a live game. Come on, dude! It's awesome. What the heck was that like? like? It was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, it was it was um, it was surreal. It was it was I, it was just pure bliss. Um, it was nervous, like like waiting to go in. But once you're running out there, you're like, okay, actually, like let's go do this. Let's you know? execute this. And then once you're over the ball and it's like you're holding back there, it's like okay, well something we we do every day you know it's just it's just you don't want to blow it out of proportion of something like somehow you've never done before but Mm -hmm. um you know you kind of just want to get your craft done and then after that man it just was like oh my god what what the crowd do um so you know when they first announced my name i was going out there obviously they went crazy and then it was actually really eerie because the first snap was kind of like this the second snap even more the second snap was about the eerie thing ever because all of a sudden it's like a golf shot like everyone just quiet down yeah. and then and then all of a sudden it's like all right well i don't know if i want this it's you know? <laughs> like, a little quiet yeah, right? yeah, like, <laughs> um, so um but but yeah so then you know you snap it and once and once the kicker kicks it through there everyone's like you know crazy you know? bananas your teammates too yeah everyone was so happy brother you guys like we're showing this on the youtube right now so everybody's seeing this but i gotta tell you like i go back i think life is just so amazing and i think extraordinary people are so amazing but that night where you spend the last night as a 12-year-old boy with the USC football team before you're going to lose your vision for permanently, to think that that boy who spent that last night with the USC football team, if I'd have told you, hey, man, eight, nine years from now, you're going to walk out on the field with this football team as a player on the team and execute a snap in a game. Isn't it amazing? It's crazy. It, yeah. is, it is crazy. Like you said, I think there's a little bit, I'm, I might be numb to it just because I lived it, yes. I guess, but I mean, it is crazy. Just so you know, I'm not numb to it. And it is unbelievable. <laughs> it's one of the greatest sports stories of all time, brother. It's going to be one of the great movies of all time. And people listening to this have to be going, my God, if this young man can go through this. And by the way, you've also dealt with this as a young man with all the other things that come with being an adolescent and a teenager and then going to college and all the other things that come with that. It's extraordinary what you've done. You take it for granted. I don't. Nobody listening to this takes that for granted. It's it's an incredible achievement and um, unbelievably inspiring. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's, so, it's so amazing to me. So let's talk about some of the keys that I just, I, brother, I, I'm trying to get my breath back because now that I'm hearing it live, even though I knew it happened, that guy going into that surgery that night and all the turmoil that I'm sure you and your parents were facing, they had to be so proud of you. And I saw this clip recently on senior night where you walked out on the field, they announced you. Did mom and dad come out with you, right? Yeah, yeah, my, my, my family, they weighed out on the, um, the mm-hmm. half uh, midfield, but my dad actually was able to walk me out. What know? was that like, man? It was, it was so cool, I mean, it was, it was such a, a moment. I. I I was just glad my dad was able to experience that with me mm. and um, something I'll cherish forever. Do, do you ever think about, like, like I've, maybe you probably don't, but I'm going to say it to you so everybody hears this because this is a trajectory of our lives. You've come this far in roughly 10 years, right? You're, and I said this to you before we started filming. You're in the beginning of maxing out your life, even though what you've done is the exemplification of maxing something out. You have maxed out this unfortunate circumstance, Right, but it's just the beginning. Like your life, the trajectory you're on is going to be just—it's crazy what you're going to do in your life. But because you've done this, because you are so extraordinary, even though you don't think you are, how have you done it? Like, what is great about you? So don't be—don't give me humility. No, don't. Okay, what is what is unique 
and extraordinary about you? Um, I think one of the more unique things is um, something my friends and family love and also just hate, um, and that's a stubbornness. Uh, I'm, I'm completely stubborn. Mm. Um, you, you ask my friends, they'll say, absolutely, like, Jake, stubborn? No, you know, like, mm. facetiously, like, mm. so um, that comes with good and bad, I guess. Mm. Um, the good is, if I set out to do something, man, like I, I would die trying. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, there's a part of me that just doesn't want to give up until I complete or just absolutely know somehow it's just, it's, it's just never, ever, 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 ever going to work. Do you um, think that you came out that way into the world naturally or do you actually think this circumstance refined that and made it even more pronounced? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know if you're, you're born with stubbornness. I know, you know, battling cancer creates, like you said, a strength and a stubbornness, mm -hmm. I guess, in me of, of not giving up. Yep. Um, but um, I think I think that's definitely um, a unique thing. I think also another unique thing is just you know taking taking circumstances. You know, it's it's um, it's almost like you know like a running back who's able to bounce off hits. You know, or it's like mm. you know or when life throws hits at you, you, you obviously you feel it, mm -hmm. um, but you're able to kind of bounce off and continue moving forward. You know, get yards after contact, where it's just Ooh. it's like it's. It's just not going to completely devastate you and, and mm. never, you know, let yourself move forward and, and mm. become a person that you want to be or do continue to do the things you love to do. I mean, I, it, it breaks my heart when I see people go through adversity and go through hardship and their lives are never the same. They never find happiness in what they do anymore. It's just, mm. it's just sad because it's, yep. it, it's, at the end of the day, no, no circumstances should ever let you do that. I mean, the, no circumstance has the power to, to have you do that. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it really is you. And I, I, it's, I'm not saying go live in a happy-go-lucky life and be ignorant to the, the struggles that you face and just completely ignore your emotions. Mm. But at the same time, don't let it just completely rule your life and, and, and take you out of, of the, the joy that you, you feel when you do certain activities or hang with certain people or, you know, oh your, your mission in life. Brother, it's so good. <laughs> just so good. Like, oh boy, you, um, you know, people are watching this. They're like, okay, what I'm worried about or what I'm stressed about is pretty lame right now. Like, that's what most people are thinking. But then there are people that are going through something real. You know, they they they've just lost a loved one, right. or they had a business setback, or they're getting divorced, or you know, they're young and they're watching this and they're like, man, I'm out of college two years. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, what advice would you give to somebody who is going through some struggle right now, some difficulty or adversity? What would you say to them? Right. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the things is obviously find a support system around you. Mm. Um, you know, do you have that? I do. I do. Mm. I, you know, I have, like some of my friends and family, I have uh, mentors and you mm. know, people that you can just talk to. I mean, I think talking to people, um, not trying to carry the whole burden by yourself is a powerful thing. Mm. Um, have people that are there for you. Um, you know, what you said with the setback, when, when I go speak, um, a big part of that is I call it finding the setup and the setback. And then every setback, there's a setup waiting to happen. Mm. Um, and, you know, with that comes obviously patience and perseverance. You know, I'm not saying that setup comes right away, mm. but I'm saying that if you treat that setback as permanent and movable, it will stop you. Mm. But if you see that setback as something that is waiting to be a setup, you can, then you can use it and leverage it and believe that it will bring you to new heights. Um, so, you know, that they're, you know, look for that setup, prepare for that setup. Um, you know, I talk about finding the winner within knowing, knowing your worth, knowing that, you know, even if I do lose my sight, I'm still a great athlete. I still have a worth of being a football player. I still have, you know, the worth of being a great golfer. You know, I, I know I'm, you know, a winner inside that I can go out there and, and still achieve, um, you know, great things. So, you know, 
letting those voices dominate your your mindset rather than like, hey man, you're blind, you probably can't go play football now, or hey, you're blind, you probably can't play golf now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know what voices you listen to, and then Ooh. finally, the thing that I guess the last thing I really say, um, which is the most powerful thing in my mind, um, is really, you know, when people say I have a positive attitude, it's such a cliche, you know. Yeah. Um, and the problem is when I think most people say I have a positive attitude, a lot of people are like, okay, well, well how? And for that how, for really me, it's just being grateful. And like, you know, that the, the gratitude is just such a powerful thing in life. And the coolest thing about gratitude is actually a skill. And it's a skill you can practice. It's not your, you, no one's born more grateful than the next person. It's just a, it's something you actually can practice and get better at mm. by recognizing what's grateful in life. When you start to focus on, hey, I'll list three things a damn grateful for, your mind actually rearranges itself to start focusing on things that in the day that you can be thankful for. Oh my God. So, and the powerful thing in being grateful is, you know, I can sit here and say I'm blind. And there's a lot of hardship that comes with blind. There's a lot of adversity that comes with blind. There's a lot of frustrations in the day where it's like, man, if I could just see this would be so much better. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of sad times, you know. I, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's times I'll cry and like realize mm. I'll never be able to see what my wife looks like or kids, mm. you know. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's time when you're talking about the ocean. You know, I can't see the ocean there. And mm. it's, it's sad. But mm. also... I'm here being able to be with you, you know, being mm-hmm. on this podcast. I mean, I, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm, I got this guy dynasty. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I've, I have an athletic body. I have a great mind and I have a good sense of humor. Like there's so many things God has gifted me. If I were to focus on the one thing I don't have, which is my eyesight, I think that'd be shameful. Man, brother, I, I, the best sentence ever said on my show. The last, like the, the best, like, because you live it. You're not just, you know, writing it down and this is a tip, like you're living this. And I love what you said about listening to the voices, too. I've not heard somebody say it that way before, where it's like you choose what voices you're going to listen to in your head. And we all do do this, by the way. We do begin to magnify the one or two bad things in our life to this extent, which minimizes all the things we should be grateful for. You're freaking extraordinary. But uh, I didn't know I was going to ask you this, but I'm just curious, just because you've gone through this journey, I think some people would be curious about this. Has your faith played any role in your success in your life and your peace of mind and your yeah, gratitude? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, one of my favorite Bible verses is Jeremiah 29 11. You know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. And I mean, that's. Uh, that's on my wall at home, and you know, as, it, as especially growing up as a kid, um, you know, after receiving news that you know the cancer's back for the umpteenth time, like it's 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 okay, you know. I, obviously, God has a has a plan for me and, and mm. a plan for my life, and I mean, I said it after I snapped um, my first time in the coliseum. I go, you know, if you can't see how God works things out, you're the blind one. And I mean that. You know? Oh boy, gosh. <laughs> see, I just yeah, uh, wow, yeah. I don't. I'm never speechless in these interviews, okay? I'm never speechless because um, you are unique to me in that you live these things every single day. And I, you're an exempt, you exemplify something that I really believe strongly, which is that it's not the events of your life that define you, it's the meaning that you take from the event. And you took an event that most people would take a meaning from that was devastating or tragic, and there's parts of that you've acknowledged that have hurt you, but you turned it into meaning the right things for you. So. I'm so blown away by you. And by the way, everybody listening to this is too. And so this is just the beginning of the story, everybody. And what I want you to do is I want you following Jake so you can watch the next chapters be revealed. So what's the best way for the entire Max Out universe to continue to follow your journey? How do they find you? Uh, they can find me. Uh, I'm, on, you know, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, um, okay. and Jake Olson 61 Olson's O-L-S-O-N. Um, okay. You know, absolutely, you can find me there. Um, you know, I... 
love to uh, play golf. I'd love to, to uh, speak, you know, anything that we, you know, we can uh, do in the future, let me know. Can you imagine being able to have this man come out and have him talk to your group or play golf? And so that's the one thing, like, you know that golf's a pretty central thing in my family. I just have to understand this before we finish. When you first decided to hit a golf ball, okay, by the way, so if he and I played golf straight up right now, he would beat me straight up, which just kind of blows my mind. You had to be terrible at first. Like, what yeah, was so, that like? Well, so, I mean, I played, I, my dad's a big golfer, so I grew mm -hmm. up playing golf. Um, yeah. And actually, right around probably like 10 or 11, I really almost made a decision, like, this is what I actually want to pursue in life. Um, yep. I wanted to see how could I get this game. And mm -hmm. I, I was actually decent as a 12-year-old, uh, but I went from a 12-year-old that was decent to a 12-year-old that couldn't make contact with the ball anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was frustrating. And talk about learning mental toughness and perseverance and what voices listen to, man. Yeah. I, you know, it was a month of trying to make contacts every time, you know, chipping, just not being able to get the ball in the air. Mm. Um, you know, just real tough um, yeah. to the point where it's like, okay, I don't know, you maybe make good contact every one in three shots, mm -hmm. and you know, the other ones are just awful, and then you mm -hmm. continue to keep going and going and going until you're making better contact, better shots, mm -hmm. um, until you know, you're playing better than you ever did with sight. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of it's just training your swing. I mean, the problem also was once I went blind, I also like grew six inches, so my swing was just all oh, jacked atrocious. up. That's the worst thing for a golfer's yes. growth. Yeah. So, yeah. behind, after not being able to see, right? right, right. But growing is not easy. I don't know, maybe growing was, was more too, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> Basically, just learning how to just continue um, to pr provide that swing over and over again, you know, mm -hmm. just muscle memory and, and execute, you know, the same motion over and over and over again and, um, mm -hmm. and feel, you know, golf's feel. A, a ton of feel. It um, is, yeah. And so being able to tap into that feel. And honestly, I think that really helped me long snap too because I really had to feel my swing. Mm -hmm. um, and when it became to learning how to feel, you know, ball rolling off your fingertips and how, you know, hard to throw is like that part of my mind that probably was accustomed to feeling my body and that muscle memory was mm. probably built up because of golf. I think that everything we've talked about today is um, the most powerful metaphor of maxing out because I'm going to tell you why. Not only the golf, the, the, the stuff you've done with long snapping, your grades, everything you've accomplished in your life. A lot of people lack vision in their life and they feel like they're in a dark place in their lives that listen to my show. They're they don't know how they're going to get out of They're in despair. They don't know where they're going to go. And you've given them the playbook to get out of darkness. You've given them the playbook of how to turn their life around. The main thing I think of when I think of you is just resiliency. It's the word that comes to my mind every time I think about you. And so I think, he's, I think you're an extraordinary young man, obviously. And um, what is next for you? Well, um, you know, I, I played golf before. I want to continue to play golf, see how far I can take that. I want to continue um, to start playing competitively again. Mm. Um, so, you know, I want to win a couple of blind golf championships mm. um, and then, you know, see where I can even take it on some type of tour maybe. Um, I think, uh, you know, after loving sports and growing up in sports and playing sports my whole life, I don't want to venture far from sports. So, you know, definitely maybe becoming some type of an analyst, you know, for the NFL or mm. whatever um, mm. would be fun. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of cool different things with, you know, books and yeah. other stuff that's going to be coming out. But um, I've actually started a business as well that's called Engage. Okay. Um, and it's at uh, letsengage.com. Uh, okay. Um, and basically it's just an online platform where you uh, can book speakers. It uh, kind of really digitizes the uh, booking talent industry. And so, Wonderful. you know, for uh, speeches, that's exactly, you know, exactly where you can find me. Um, cool. And 
definitely uh, it's, it's a business that we feel is very appropriate for a lot of people that are in my position of, yeah. you know, wanting to be out there and, you know, booking someone for speeches or an experience. Like I said, you know, a lot of, a lot of people want to play golf with me or go snap with me or yeah. surf with me, whatever, you know, this, it's, it's a, a lot of cool things you can do. So okay. you can engage with this guy there. You can also find him on his social media, like we've talked about as well. And by the way, I'll make a prediction. You're already doing a lot of it, but you're going to be one of the most sought-after speakers in the world. You're going to absolutely be, because here's the thing. It's one thing to give a speech, another thing to live it and talk about what you're doing. It's one of the reasons I hope my content is good, because people feel like I've built a real life and a real business. And you've built an extraordinary, what I call, first chapter of your life. It's, it's a maxed-out first chapter. My challenge to you, as your friend now, is that you don't rest on those laurels. That, that Everything we've talked about today is your old story. And now it's time that you're doing it. You're going to turn the page, brother, and it's time for you to write the next chapter of your life, which is going to be even more fun for me to watch because I, if, if the past is any predictor of where you're going, it's going to be bananas for you. So thank you so much, thank brother. You, yes, of course. I loved today, and I know all of you are just blown away. So please follow Jake. If you're watching this, you already follow me. And make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel or to iTunes if you're listening to this or whatever platform you're listening to it on. Because if you're listening to the audio, make sure you subscribe to the video version. Video, make sure you subscribe to the audio. And I want to just challenge you. Remember, every single day on social media, I run the max out two-minute drill on Instagram. What that means is when I make a post in my main feed, if you make a comment within the first two minutes with hashtag max out, I do a daily drawing. I pick a winner, and they get coached by me often. They get max out gear. They get to meet my guests. All kinds of crazy things happen. So all you got to do is make a comment the first two minutes. If you miss the first two minutes, at the end of the week, we pick somebody who's just made a comment every day at any time. So just comment on my stuff on Instagram and you're probably going to win something eventually. So I hope you enjoyed today's program. It was a life changer. I know it was for me and I'm sure it was for you. God bless you and max out your life. This is the Ed Milet Show. This podcast is for those who want to do more, see more, and be more.